So I had been working with Fox TV, and while I was working with Fox TV, there was a local radio station that kept trying to woo me to come work with them. Um, you know, offering me the sun, the cloud, the moon, the stars, and the mountain. You know, sound like you know after six. Uh, they were offering me all of this stuff, and eventually I said, okay, I'll come over there and work with you. So I left, you know, my job at Fox TV, went over to work with the radio station, and within six months got laid off. And I said. Yeah, I said after that, I said I will never let someone have control of my life again,、uh, have control of my destiny. I said I'm going to go ahead and open up my own ad shop. And again, it was rough in the beginning because you start with no money. All you have, all you have, are your ideas, and you are just out there just trying to sell people on, on your worth, what you can bring to their company to help them grow. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, aka the Funny Brown Girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to another episode of the Creative Breakthrough. I am your host, Shireen Kassam. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, thank you and welcome. For those of you who have been here before, you know how the story goes. I will start with a quick introduction: what's going on in my life, a little motivational pep talk, and then we will jump right into the interview. And today we have someone really exciting to hear from, especially as we kick off 2020. I am so excited that it is now. January 2020. If you couldn't tell from my last episode of December 2019, where I did my yearly recap, I hate December, and so I need to remember this year to record my year in review in November because I am so glad it is not December anymore, y'all.、Um, for whatever reason, I I cannot make it through December fast enough. But now it's January 2020, and this is the best time because we get to set new goals for the year. We get to set new desires, new action plans, and I love that because I was feeling a little lost towards the end of last year, and so this is a great time to reset and restart. So I asked you all to share with me what are your goals for the year, and a few of you did. So thank you so much. I'm just gonna read some of these out loud because I love them. Somebody said, "Make more space and time for my art to be a priority." And publish consistent content. Someone else said they want to start writing their autobiography to have a record of their adventures. Another person wants to start an, start a business.、Um, somebody else wants to take an improv class. And then I love this one. This person said they want to have a legit strategy for monetizing their podcast and making a living off their art. They also want to learn to create and operate a website and get twenty booked weekend. At a comedy club, what I love about this goal is that it is actionable, but it is also achievable. Like to give yourself a number, not to just say I want to book weekends at a comedy club, but he said twenty booked weekends. I think that is so important when we make goals: is to be specific. What exactly do we want to do, and what do we want to achieve? I know for comedy, when I set goals, I always say like I want to do X number of festivals this year, or I want to do X number of podcasts this year that are not mine but somebody else's podcast. I want to do X number of speaking engagements because that really helps you get towards a goal. And so I really encourage you guys 
to go through your goals for 2020 and then next to it, put a number, make it actionable, make it achievable and just set your, set your goals high because the higher you set your goals, the harder you'll push to get them. I'm still trying to finish my goals for 2020. I know it is January uh, 2nd, I think now. And so I should have my goals ready, but I actually have decided that I want to take the month of January to really just explore my creative interests. I realized that I have an interest in so many different things, whether it's podcasting, stand-up comedy, acting. I, 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 wanna, I do too much and I really want to take a step back and really see like, where am I the most excited? I also want to try some new things. Like I've always had this goal that I wanted to be in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I always thought that I would go there as a comedian. And now I'm wondering, maybe I'm not supposed to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as a comedian. Maybe I'm supposed to go in some other creative format. And so there is a Fringe Festival coming to Orlando in January. And so I'm hoping I can make it to a few of those shows to really better understand what do you need to perform in a Fringe Festival. I also want to start going to more storytelling meetings. I realized that one of my goals a few years ago was to be on The Moth. And if you don't know what The Moth is, it is a storytelling performance. And they pick a topic and then you go on stage and you tell a story about it. There's also a podcast. And I always thought I would go on there. And so I really want to start exploring that some more. So I'm going to start going to some storytelling meetings in January. And I'm also going to go to writers club meetings because when I lived in Boston, I took an extracurricular class, like an adult education class called creative nonfiction writing. And I just remember how excited I used to be to go to class and everybody used to love my stories. I mean, I was killing it in that class. And I just remember people would take this one girl sat next to me one day and she's like, I showed your stories to my mom and she couldn't stop laughing. And that sits with me to this day. It's like, I loved writing. And so I want to get back into that. So in January, I really just want to explore these different creative interests and see where do I want to spend my time. I also got on stage on at the end of December to do my last comedy show of 2019 and I killed it. I mean, this woman came up to me after the show and it's just, it's so heartwarming when strangers that you don't even know approach you and say the nicest things to you because they probably don't know where you are in your creative journey and what you're struggling with and that their words can really uplift you to a better place. And this woman didn't know me and she just said, she said, are you from here, from Orlando? And I said, yes. And she's like, you need to go. You need to go to LA. You need to go to New York. You are too good to be here. I mean, there were, she was like, there was 10 comedians that went up tonight and all nine combined, you were funnier than all nine combined. And that's not to be egotistical to the other nine who performed. You guys were awesome too. But she said this and it was just so resonating because I have been conflicted about what am I doing with comedy and where am I going with it? And this woman just gave me this passion back. She motivated me again because somebody appreciated my art and they came up to tell me that. And so I urge you when you guys are going to creative performances and seeing art and watching your friends per create create art or perform, tell them that. Tell them how much you admire them and that you're inspired by them because those words go a long way. So back to the writer's club. I want to do some more writing classes. Um, that brings me to my second goal or second resolution is I want to read more. I realized last year I kind of slacked on my reading and I think it's because I was trying to read a lot more business books, um, because I was starting a, I was starting a business. And so this year I want to go back and I start, I want to start actually reading more books written by comedians. I've noticed that there was a big push towards comedians writing books like Tiffany Haddish and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and 
I also noticed that there are comedians that are now being asked to write books that don't have such a huge following, a social media following. So it is possible to write a book. And so I want to start reading those books and seeing what does it take to put out a book. Um, and then lastly, I just want to write more. I used to wake up in the mornings before work and journal, and then that quickly became going to work out. And so I need to figure out a good balance in my life where I'm working out, but I'm also writing more because I realized that maybe I'm just not inspired anymore because I don't have anything new to talk about on stage or to write about. And so I definitely want to write more. So stay tuned. And hopefully in February, I will actually be able to share with you what I plan to do for 2020. So let's get to our guest for today. I am so excited to have this person on the podcast today. There's many reasons why I chose this person to be on the podcast. So I'm going to give him a name. First of all, his name is Jason Gregory, and he's a writer and producer of the film Waking Up White. He's also my future mentor. He does not know this yet, but he does now. Hey, Jason. Hey, mentor. How are you? Okay, so why do I want Jason on this podcast? Well, let me tell you. In 2016, Jason Gregory took the plunge to chase his childhood dream, 12 years after his undergraduate degree, and he enrolled in an MFA film production program where he immediately began writing his thesis project, Waking Up White. Since its development, the pilot script has been selected as a 2018 quarter finalist in ScreenCraft's Film Fund and Pilot Launch TV script competitions and a 2018 semifinalist in the We Screenplay Television competition. The television pilot has recently been submitted to various local, national, and international film festivals while also garnering local and regional media coverage. Jason is also part of the reality television think tank 13 Brains. 13 Brains develops unscripted TV concept and pitches them to networks and streaming platforms. Since its establishment in 2018, 13 Brains has successfully sold its first concept to Netflix and continues to cultivate and pitch additional programming. In 2019, Gregory completed another childhood dream and joined UCF's English department as a script writing lecturer. In this position, he will continue to mold, mentor, and challenge his students to find their voice through the art of script writing. Jason Gregory is the epitome of a creative breakthrough. He graduated with his undergraduate degree in film. He didn't get to pursue it. He went 12 years. Finally, he said, you know what? I'm going back. I'm getting my MFA. He not only got his MFA, he put together a thesis statement that has gone on to win competitions and be in film festivals. He then went one step further and joined a think tank where he's actually pitching shows to companies like Netflix. And now he's a script writing lecturer. It's amazing how when you make a decision to change your career and shift and pivot, you can actually make it happen. And Jason Gregory is a prime example of that. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shireen. No, it's my pleasure. We've been trying to organize this for months, so I'm glad we finally found time. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for thank you for uh, staying on me here, and um, I'm I'm so honored to uh, to to be in the hot seat here. Yes, well, it's definitely going to get hot, so I hope you have a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> You're like that was such a lame joke, Shereen. I didn't even know how to no, I was like, all right, if she's a comedian, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not working tonight, okay? So that was like a right. throwaway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, one question I love to start um, all my interviews asking is, I'd love to know how your creative journey began. Oh, wow. Uh, years and years and years ago. Um, 
you know, I was one of those kids that always, you know, loved writing, loved um, just creating things. And, you know, my first aha moment was when I went into I went into a movie theater. My very first film that I saw by myself was actually a Spike Lee movie. And it was and I'm showing my age here, but it was um, School Days. And I went in there and I said, wow, I've never seen this many black people in a film together. And that was kind of like my aha moment where I said, you know what, eventually one day I want to be a filmmaker. So I would probably say it started at 12 or 13 when I realized, uh, when I when I saw all of those characters on the screen together. Um, but before that, I had always been writing short stories and things like that. Wow, very cool. Thank you. And then you went to school and you studied film, right? Yeah, I got my undergrad from Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and I received a degree in film, radio, and television. And then from there, I did what every broke filmmaker does. They go into advertising. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I've got to make money some kind of way. So I left a, uh, I was actually working full time at Capital One also. And I said, all right, I've got to leave this cushy job where I'm making great money to go into the unknown in the world of advertising. And I started with Clear Channel Radio um, selling airtime. And then I started in Richmond, transferred to Tampa, Florida, which I absolutely love Tampa. And then from there, I did that for about two years. And then from there, I got a call from Fox TV over here in Orlando and started working over here. Um, and, and, and I had to jump on an opportunity because I said, eventually my goal is to write for television. So <laughs> I figured, Hey, go sell airtime. Maybe there'll be a way that I can jump on the creative side, but that wasn't happening. So after that, um, in about 2010, I decided to go ahead and open up my own ad shop and I've been you know doing that ever since. Wow. And how was that? Like, what, what were some of the challenges looking back? Like, what are some, what's some advice you'd have for creative entrepreneurs who want to start their own firm? It's the unknown. It's you don't know what you don't know. And then when you realize you don't know, you try and figure out how you can get access to that information. Um, you look at all of the big firms who are out here and how they're thriving and, and how they're networking and connecting with one another. And you just, you're just trying to really get a seat at that table. Honestly, you're really just trying to get a foot in that door. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes that information doesn't flow. So you have to find like-minded individuals like yourself, you know, people who you can identify with and they can identify with you and figure out what you're going to do to eat. Um, you know, I pride myself on being a niche advertising firm where we go out and we work with multicultural businesses out there who may not have a voice or trying to expand their brand. Yeah, I saw that. So I, some, I mean, you have some great clients like NBA, Tom Joyner, Family Reunion, Telemundo. How did you go about like getting them to sign on with you as, as clients? You know, sometimes you, you have to go out there and you just do some freebies at first, you know, with Tom Joyner, I went out there and I pounded the pavement by myself and, and would hand out palm cards um, for for his family reunion. And it wasn't a lot of money at all. But from there, I started to, to, to get a reputation. People started to hear about me. Um, you know, and when I was handing those palm cards out, I would go to a lot of minority businesses and drop off my business card at the same time. So they started to become familiar with me. And then, you know, sometimes they would invite me in and say, hey, well, I'm trying to do this with my business. What do you recommend? And that's just really how things, you know, got kicked off. You know, one of my my, my first big clients was and was an attorney. And then from the attorney, um, I started working with FAMU College of Law 
and then from FAMU College of Law, started working with the NBA um, when they brought the um, the All Star Game here in Orlando. I was one of the only minority firms that actually got a contract to work with them, and from there it just kept going. Wow! So had you com- completely uh, stopped your full time job in advertising when you started this business, or did you kind of start it as a side hustle? No, I, you know, my, my wife and I had always had a conversation about me eventually branching off and starting my own ad firm, but it kind of happened when I didn't expect it to happen. Uh, I was working for a local radio station. Uh, well, at the time, let me, let me back up. So I had been working with Fox TV and while I was working with Fox TV, there was a local radio station that kept trying to woo me to come work with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, offering me the sun, the cloud, the moon, the stars <laughs> and the mountain, you know, sound like, you know, after six, uh, they were offering me all of this stuff. And eventually I said, OK, I'll come over there and work with you. So I left, you know, my job at Fox TV, went over to work with the radio station and within six months got laid off. Wow. that's crazy. And I said. Yeah. I said, after that, I said, I will never let someone have control of my life again, uh, have control of my destiny. I said, I'm going to go ahead and open up my own ad shop. And again, it was rough in the beginning because you start with no money. Right. All you have, all you have are your ideas and you are just out there just trying to sell people on, on your worth, what you can bring to their company to help them grow. And now was your, is your wife working with you at this point or does she have her own job? No, my wife actually works at UCF. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So you yep. were covered in terms of medical and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing that I tell a lot of entrepreneurs. And my wife and I were just joking about this the other day. If if you are married, someone has to be uh, someone has to be uh, bring home the regular check, as she says, <laughs> has to bring home the regular benefits, the regular check, all of that, while the entrepreneur um, is out there building the dream. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, unfortunately, you know, some people don't have that person that they can depend on. You know, I was fortunate enough. Yes. No, that is definitely something to keep in mind. Like every time I think about it, like I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, oh, my God, medical is four hundred dollars a month. Maybe I'm going to hold off on this dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it gets expensive. It gets really expensive. Yeah. But looking back now, are you are you happy with your decision that you left or are there some things you would have done differently? Uh, well, again, I had no choice. I was laid off. So um, they were going to put me out the door one way or another. So, <laughs> so um, you know, it, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, I, I kind of wish that that it hadn't happened that way. But honestly, if it hadn't, who knows where I'll be right now? I would probably still be working for that company. I probably would not have taken a ri- all the, the, the calculated risks that I have taken now. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I may not be in the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Now you started a firm and is it, was it solely focused on advertising at that, at that point, or was it all inclusive of everything you do today? Hey, it's me, Shreen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. It was uh, at the time it was advertising and marketing, um, advertising, marketing, promotions, things like that. And then I um, started getting requests to do, you know, some other things, uh, you know, they again, one thing we did, what we do with Tom Joyner is that we we help them with on site logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, like if if uh, 
I, I may coordinate celebrity interviews or, you know, with local outlets or national outlets, you know, TV, radio, news, newspaper, you know, online, stuff like that. And I think a lot of folks saw what I was doing there and said, hey, can you help me, you know, put on this event? Or, um, you know, and sometimes I decided to go ahead, go ahead and put on my own events. So back in 2016, I, I started doing comedy shows. Um, and one of the one of the first comedy shows that I that I put on was called the I4 Comedy Tour. And we actually did two cycles of that. And then right after that, I actually did a jazz concert called Viva Oviedo, which is uh, right in the, in the town where I live in Oviedo, Florida. And it started, um, people started noticing, noticing that, you know, more and more. And that actually led me to a few other opportunities. Very cool. Is that how we met? Did we meet at one of those? I don't remember. I don't remember how. We no, met. I think we met at the improv. Okay. We met at the improv. Got it. And I was, ta- I think I was talking to you about Viva Oviedo. And I think we, we were getting ready to start the second one up. And then from there, I ended up going to grad school. And, <laughs> and so I stopped with Viva Oviedo. Stopped after Vivo Vivo. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about the decision at, I'm guessing you were, I read somewhere you were in your early forties and you decided to go and get your MFA, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough decision because um, again, I had graduated with, uh, with my undergrad in 2002 and started grad school. And I think I had gotten into maybe a couple of months into it. And then I, met the girl next door and fell in love and, you know, <laughs> life, life happened. And I said, man, forget this school thing, you know? <laughs> so, so I kind of put grad school on hold, um, you know, and, and, and uh, she had a beautiful, you know, baby boy. I think he was uh, just under two and, you know, we fell in love and got married in 2003. And then we just kind of went on this whole roller coaster ride for advertising. And, um, you know, again, that's what brought us down here to Florida. And, we went to a meeting in 2016. I think it was the beginning of 2016. I went to a meeting with her at UCF and she introduced me to one person who introduced me to another. And next thing I know, I started talking to the director of the film program for UCF. And he was asking me about my background, told him I graduated with a film degree. And he asked me if I was interested in going back to film school and that they had one. And I started laughing and he said, no, I'm serious. And I felt bad. I said, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize um, that, that you were serious. And he said, yeah, that's the problem. A lot of people don't know about this film school. And I, and, and I have to tell you, it's one of the best kept secrets out there in the industry right now. What they are doing at the UCF film um, program is, it's far none. I mean, it, no one can really touch it. There are some great students that are coming out of, out of there, some great ideas, some, you know, some, some great future filmmakers. Yeah. So I started laughing. So, so he said, well, come talk to me um, this Friday. I want you to come talk to me and a couple of, of the other staff in the office. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you about our program. And I went in that Friday and that Monday, that next Monday, I was filling out paperwork to be a student. <laughs> and I went to my wife and I said, wow, am I really doing this? And we kind of had a, an agreement that um, that she would go back and get her master's degree first, which she did. And then right after that, you know, I guess I would pursue mine. But at the time, I was honestly looking in looking at getting my MBA um, instead of my MFA. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, you need to forget about the MBA. You need to go after what you're passionate about. You're passionate about film. You you stopped doing it when we met. I want you to go back and do it. So I said, OK, as long as I have your blessing. And that's what I did for three years. You know, she was rocking with me. And we did, you know, for from 2016 to 2019, I was 
fully engulfed in, in that uh, in that in that MFA program. Is that how long an MFA usually takes? Three years? No, normally it's two years, but they they have a three year program. And it's um the great thing about it is that it's a it's a terminal degree, so it's kind of like the highest level that you can go in that track. So you you don't have to get a PhD to teach. Oh, okay. So you can still teach with the terminal degree on a, on a college level. Yes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And so did you, did you continue working? Like, were you doing this full-time or were you doing this part-time while you still ran your media company? No, full-time, full-time. I, I had wow. to knock it out. Yeah, it was. So who was running your media company at the time? I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> and, and we had some, we had some, uh, some, some big opportunities come down and I just said, Hey, I've got to learn to balance. And, and that's what I did. Um, you know, one of the biggest clients was, um, I, and I think this was the year before I graduated. Yeah, it was 20, 2018. Um, we had a huge contract come down with FAMU College of Law, where we pretty much revamped their entire um, their entire marketing campaign. Uh, you know, uh, created a brand new website for them, created um, new commercials, marketing collateral. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff. And we actually started that right before I went into filming my. Um, my thesis project, which is waking up white. So it was bam, bam, bam. Everything was happening at once. And I just had to learn to juggle it. What were some of the tools or tricks you used to balance your time or juggle your time? Teams. You have to make sure that you have reliable teams, people that you can delegate stuff to, that you can go to, that that you can depend on and say, hey, here's what needs to be done. Can you take care of this? Because I've got to be over here. And that's what I had. I had a great team, you know, when, when, you know, for Gregory Media Group. And I had a great team for my project, Waking Up White. Mm -hmm. You weren't scared when you started your MFA, like you you had spent all your tears and blood building up this media company. And now you're kind of walking away from it a little bit. You weren't scared that you were going to unravel all the hard work you put into it? Absolutely. I absolutely was. And, and I lost some clients, you know, because I couldn't give them the type of attention that I was able to give them before. But in, in doing that, I built something else. So now Gregory Media Group is not just advertising uh, and marketing and promotions. It's also entertainment now. So we we run productions through Gregory Media Group as well. Wow. Look at you expanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I had to. I had to. <laughs> when are you going to start signing contracts for talent? Uh, as, as soon as I can get a production deal. <laughs> I mean, you're going to need a podcast soon too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You always need a good podcast. I know. Always. Well, you know who you, I can do everything. I have a three in one package deal here. <laughs> a three in one. Okay. So a podcast comedian. What's the third? I act too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not as much. So as you don't just act a fool. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. That's all right. That's all right. So I don't want to give you UCF free advertising here because they're not paying me, but I'd love to know, like you had mentioned, you had mentioned like it's, it's one of the best programs out there or less secrets out there. Like, can you just give us some, some tidbits or examples of like what UCF offers that some of the other film schools don't like the ones down the street? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they really delve into theory, like the why behind everything. Like, what are the motivations of your characters? What's the motivation in the story? Um, you know, influences, they really help you craft your story um, so that, you know, so that it's, 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 it's really interesting and, um, 
you know, you, you have, you know, memorable characters, you know, everything. And they, they're with you every single step of the way. Like when it was time for me to, to go ahead and film my project, had I um, had to find the money myself, you know, for all of the equipment, it would have cost me probably about $150,000. But because I was a student, I had access to that equipment. And it's some of the, you know, the, the best equipment that's out there. And, and I was able to make a successful project. Oh, okay. That's cool. That works for me. That works. And then the other, the other thing is that as a grad student, you work with some of the, some of the best undergrad students that are out there. So as a TA, because I was a teaching assistant, I could pretty much hand pick exactly who I wanted to approach about my project and get them to work on it. So we had a crew of about 30 undergrad students that worked on my project and it was, and it was experience for them as well, because they had only worked on other undergrad projects or maybe local commercials or something like that. And now they had an opportunity to work on a grad school um, mm-hmm. project. When you're doing your MFA as a grad student, do you have to do be a teaching assistant as well? Or is that optional? No, it's optional. It's optional. Yeah. So you decided to keep running your media group, do a grad school program and be a teaching assistant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad my hair is already gone. <laughs> why, why did you want to also be a teaching assistant? Because I knew eventually I wanted to get into teaching and and that's what I'm doing right now. Um, You know, I've been blessed that, you know, before I graduated, um, a position opened up at UCF and I applied for it. And now I'm a screenwriting lecturer um, in the English department um, and I teach four classes. I teach two intro to screenwriting and two advanced screenwriting classes. Oh, wow. And so now that's your full time career? That's my regular money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what happened? Is the media company still running then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We work with some uh, folks out of town right now. We work with folks out of town and, and one or two clients here in town as well. Yeah, we need we need. OK, so is that your side hustle money now or? Yeah, yeah. But we're also, um, you know, always actively looking for other you know projects or productions that we can run through Gregory Media Group. Um, you know, it's just a matter of sitting down and, and making sure that we can find the money for it. Got it. Okay. So you're trying to, you're kind of moving, you're kind of sh- pivoting the company to more of a production company. Correct. Now we'll okay. say if someone needs a commercial shot, we, we still offer, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, the best services for commercial production as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very nice. That's awesome. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you had mentioned this before. Your thesis project was called Waking Up White. It's the story of a black family that wakes up white and has 30 days to determine if they'd rather return to their cultural roots or stick with the new skin they're in. Yeah. How'd you come up with that? Um, You know, experiences, personal experiences, experiences of friends, family. And then one night I was actually watching TV and a news report came on and another African-American man had been shot and killed by a police officer. And the, the news crew was out there and they turned to an older African-American woman and asked her her opinion. And she said, this wouldn't have happened if, if, if we were white. And, and I went to sleep with that ringing in my ears that night. And I woke up the next morning and I, and I had the idea of waking up white. I said, what if I woke up white? And then from there, I just started writing, um, you know, and uh, at first we, I, I actually wrote it as a feature film. It's about 80 pages and it was very, very dark. And I said, no, I, I don't want it to be so dark. Um, but I had done all, a whole lot of research and just kind of, it's kind of like your first script. You just kind of throw it up. You know, you, you put your first, your first draft out there and it's just full of a whole bunch of stuff. And then I, 
you know, got to working on it and did a second revision and a third revision and a fourth revision. And then some of our professors actually looked at it and said, hey, have you ever thought about turning this into a television series? Because everything you're talking about here, um, it it could honestly have its own storyline. And I said, you know what, that's a good idea. So I went into my office and three days later, I came out with the pilot for Waking Up White, you know, because all the the research had been done. So I just had to pepper in some comedy. So now it, it went from being a very dark drama to now a drama. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So let me ask you, if you woke up Thank white, you. would you stay white or go back to your roots? Oh God. Oh God, no, no, <laughs> no. I love my brown skin. I, I love being black. I, I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it, it, it'd be cool to, you know, to see what, what happened maybe, you know, one or two days, but after that, nah, nah. I love my melanin too much. <laughs> So leading up to you writing this Waking Up White, like had you been writing a lot of screenplays? Like how did you how did you strengthen that screenwriting muscle? Because now you've taken Waking Up White and it's won a couple com- competitions. It's, it's you're submitting it to festivals. How did what advice do you have for people who want to be screenwriters? Just start writing. Uh, I tell my students write every single day. You know, I heard Spike Lee once say, you know, write write at least five pages a day, even if it's trash. Just get into the habit of writing. Um, so that you can become disciplined, um, you know, do that. Find a mentor. Um, I always say that. Make sure you find a mentor and don't be afraid of of taking calculated risks, um, especially if, you know, if you're in your early 20s and you don't have any responsibilities, you don't have any kids, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have anything like that. You know, take some risks and, you know, fail your way to success. You know, I, I show my students um, videos in each class of people that they look up to, you know, Dwayne. The Rock Johnson, Oprah Winfrey, Denzel Washington, um, you know, all of these celebrities, you know, and they see them as they are now, but they don't know what their struggle, you know, was in the beginning. So I find those motivational videos from those celebrities, show those to my students and say, hey, these people continue to fail their way to success and you are going to do the same exact thing. Don't think that once you graduate, you're going to be an overnight success. If you are, hire me. You know, I'm available. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but, but learn from this because, you know, so many, you know, students, they come out and they think, Hey, I'm going to take over the world at age 21, 22, 23, 24. And, and it doesn't happen. And they get, you know, they get frustrated and give up on their dream. And I don't want them to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you uh, how do I phrase this? What's like some advice you have to stay, to stay with it? Cause sometimes it can take five, 10, 15 years to get, to find success. Like how do you find that motivation to keep going? Just, just continue to work within your craft. Mm-hmm. If, if for some reason, if you want to be a screenwriter and eventually you want to, you want to start directing, start working on commercials, you know, start PAing on commercials. You know, the, the, the good and bad thing about Florida is that it's, the good thing about Florida is that there's always work to work on commercials. You can, you can always find that work here. You know, that's again, that's how I made my bread and butter. But the bad thing about it is that we don't have film incentives. So we don't get those opportunities that you get like up in Atlanta. Right. So I try to encourage my students, if, if you're going to stay here, find commercial work to help build your skills. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe you'll learn a new skill and, you know, how to how to, you know, write for commercials, you know, copyright. Um, and then, you know, uh, you, you take those skills and, and instead of writing a 30 second commercial, eventually you'll write a three minute, com- uh, a three minute 
short film and then from a three minute short film you write a 30 minute sitcom and then from a 30 minute sitcom maybe you write a 90 minute feature film you know something like that you know continue to hone your craft and then mm. you know if you decide to go to atlanta i mean they're shooting productions on every corner in atlanta yeah no it's that's amazing yeah so you mentioned some, you had mentioned find a mentor when you're looking for a mentor what are what are some of the things you should be looking for i mean it's not just picking some any random person right like what are the what do you look for in a mentor no, you have to have different mentors. You you know, you can have a life mentor. You can uh -huh. have, a, you know, a mentor for, you know, for what you want to do and, and have a mentor for what you're currently doing. Um, just someone who can continue to motivate you. And, and that has been where you are trying to go. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, they can lay the path for you. And, and I found a lot of my mentors came from, from the UCF program, mm -hmm. you know, from the UCF program, a lot of folks that, uh, that I work with and, you know, Gregory Media Group, um, you know, one of one of my, you know, one of my, you know, best friends here in Orlando is Zeta Steglitz Ross. You know, she started off as one of my mentors. We were working together on the Tom Joyner program um, project. And now, you know, she's one of my go to folks. And, you know, if if I have a business issue, I know that I can pick up the phone and call her and she's going to give me the best advice because she's been where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's not in school or doesn't have their own business, where would you suggest they go look for a mentor? Um, again, it depends on what they're looking to do. If if they are serious about being a screenwriter, I would, you know, I, I they have access to Google. I didn't have Google when I was in undergrad. <laughs> they can Google, you know, writers, you know, where they live, you know, see if there are any writers groups that they can join up and see if there are any um, any uh, in any films, any short films that are being created here that they can jump on. Um, there's a, an excellent organization here called the Orlando Independent Filmmakers, you know, run by Lenny and Sylvia LaRusso. And if you're serious about trying to hone your craft, you can link up with them. And I think the organization is about 3000 strong and they always get together and make short films. And I've seen people come in who didn't know anything about the film industry and they started working with them. And now they're directing their own films. Wow. What an inspiring story. I mean, and that's only part one, guys. Part two will drop in two weeks, but I'm just so inspired already just to know that you can have all these dreams in your childhood and even in college. And then sometimes life doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, but things come around and things happen for a reason. And it's never too late to pursue your dreams. I mean, Jason took a bit of a detour in his goals and his dreams, but those detours gave him experiences, gave him life stories so that now that he's pursuing his goals and his dreams, he has all these experiences to pull from. And I also love that it's just never too late to go pursue those dreams. I mean, in his 40s, he went to get an MFA. I'm in my mid 30s and I'm questioning it. And now I'm just like, go do it, Shireen. Just jump into it. If you have the means, go do it or take classes on YouTube or online. There's so many resources at our fingertips that I just I want us all to go out there and follow our dreams and do what we want to do. Key takeaways from Jason. One, Develop a positive reputation in the field. Two, create a team of people you can depend on. Three, make note of your personal experiences. Four, write every single day. Five, take calculated risks. Six, fail your way to success. And seven, find a mentor. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion. 
by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm Funny Brown Girl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Keep winning.